What's going on, y'all? We got a lot to talk about today. The Philadelphia 76ers have been eliminated from the NBA playoffs. Who could have seen this one coming? A lot of drama surrounding James Harden, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and then we have a Game 7 in the other series. Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks get it done, pushing the 64-win Suns team to the brink of elimination. We have that to talk about. Also, we got conference finals MVPs that have just been announced. We're going to break that down, a new kind of MVP system for rewarding playoff basketball, the season that matters the most. So we'll get into all of that. We'll start talking about the Sixers, and Joel Embiid has some choice words to say after the game. We heard a little bit from James Harden, and we had some tidbits from Doc Rivers. But this was a game in which the Sixers did come out with some more energy than they did in game five uh, up in Miami. They did not look like they were ready for a game that had that much significance. They got absolutely blown off the floor in South Beach. But coming back home, they were more competitive for the first half of the game. It was a really close ball game. I think they were down by like one or it was, it was really close after the first half. But then they just completely unraveled in the third quarter. In the second half, specifically, James Harden had zero points, and he only shot the ball two times. Unacceptable for a player of his caliber. You can't deal with that type of stuff, and and here we go again with James Harden. And Joel Embiid was not good either. He shot just 7 for 24 from the field, 2 of 8 from three-point range, and even a guy like Tyrese Maxey, he was solid enough, but 1 of 7 from 3. Danny Green, unfortunately, had a tragic injury it's now being reported that he tore his acl in the game within the first three minutes that's one of your top shooters there so that was a key loss but i'm putting it on the main guys i'm putting it on joel Embiid, and you may say fair or unfair but just like the ad situation i'm not playing or like blaming Embiid, you know for his inability to stay healthy. Like, that's not his fault. You know, it's other circumstances that he can't control. But the reality of the situation is he's always battling some sort of injury come playoff time. It's affecting his team's ability to get past the second round. That's just the reality of the situation. And you're going to need Embiid available. This is a runner-up for MVP the past two years, and he missed two games in this series. He tried to fight through it. He tried to battle through it. And he gave the Sixers a big-time spark that they needed in games three and game four at home. They won both of those games, and he made it a completely different series, as I've touched on before. But he was not able to sustain that level of play in games five and game six, that impact on both ends of the floor. It just was not able to be there. And I'm not going to fault Embiid as much for his play on the court, but I have to say the fact that he can't stay healthy has impacted his ability to lead this team in the postseason. They have not been past the second round of the playoffs with Embiid as the lead guy, as the best player. So a little bit of that onus does have to fall on Embiid that he hasn't been able to get it done. James Harden is the one where we can't really keep making different excuses for. Yes, he's been battling with a hamstring injury for some time now, but he just is simply not reliable when you need him most in the postseason. This version of James Harden is significantly worse than he used to be. That's no surprise to anybody. But everyone talks about the Houston version of James Harden. How about year one in Brooklyn, James Harden? How about a player that with Kyrie Irving was an MVP caliber player? And this is without Kevin Durant in the picture, just him and Kyrie. 
He averaged 25 points a game, eight and a half rebounds, and 11 assists on 55 effective field goal percentage, 62 true shooting percentage on the Brooklyn Nets. Those are incredible numbers. And if he can get nearly that efficiency as you had with the Brooklyn Nets, you'd be fine with a player that's giving you 22 to 20 points a game and around 10 assists. That's a really, really good player. He's still an all-star caliber player with a pretty horrific three-point shooting year this year. So James Harden is not as cooked as a lot of people may be led to believe. Uh, He could definitely be a lot better, and he should be better next season. But when we talk about his playoff resume, now that even when he was in his prime, when he was at the peak of his powers, is still very, very suspect. The dude is just one in eight in his last nine elimination games. He scored zero points in the second half, as we touched on before, only took two shots. And he claimed in his postgame interview that he was running the offense and the ball wasn't getting back to him. I don't want to hear that. You're the point guard. You've become more of a distributor, and it's clear that it's more difficult for you to score than you used to be able to. But there is no excuse, absolutely no excuse for the lack of aggression we saw in the second half. Were you not running the offense in the first half? Why couldn't you make any of the shots that you attempted in the second half? You got outscored by Shake Milton. It's just unacceptable. I'm not hearing the excuses, James Harden. You got to be better. Simple as that. And I do think if you give Harden a full offseason where he's actually dedicated to working on his body, that he can get back to that level of conditioning next year so that he could be somewhat in semblance of good shape where he can give you the production that we're accustomed to seeing, he can still be a very, very impactful player. But those days of him being a superstar are more likely than not. They're over. It's done. Uh, you're still going to have to pay James Harden a lot of money. You're probably going to have to give him a max contract. Hopefully you can get a slight discount and more so not have to be on the back end of the amount of years. Like if you could get away with giving James Harden like a three-year deal, that would be preferred if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers instead of having to give him the full five-year max extension. But Doc Rivers is another point of focus when it comes to the 76ers and the slander that comes on his name because he's bl- uh, blown a lot of 3-1 leads and things like that. He has his flaws. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that he doesn't have flaws. Starting DeAndre Jordan in 2022, even if Embiid is injured, is a laughable decision. He's also run some questionable lineups over the years, and he's failed to make adjustments until it's far too late. But there's only so much blame the coach can get. Kawhi, Paul George, and company, they choked that 3-1 lead. Embiid missed multiple games in the series this year, and along with Harden, they were terrible with the series on the line. I can't blame that on Doc Rivers. We have to be better than just blaming the coach when max superstar players we expect to perform don't. Why did he win the championship in 2008? Because the Celtics super team that they had, they performed. They showed up when the lights were the brightest. When Doc Rivers has won, his team has been successful. They've shown up to the occasion and they balled out. He's a good coach. He's a, he's one of he's top 15 coaches ever, according to the to the recent poll that, that was posted. So I get I get the criticisms of Doc Rivers. I get that we have to hold his resume to that standard. If we're going to give him credit for the championship, we also got to put some blemishes on the 3-1 leads because there's no excuse for blowing a 3-1 leads. There's no excuse for some of the things that his teams have done in the past. But 
having a 2-2 series uh, without the first two games because Embiid didn't play, that's not the worst thing, especially considering the Heat are a very, very good basketball team on both ends of the floor. But to transition, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Dallas Mavericks really quickly. The Dallas Mavericks forced game seven of their series in the second round, and Luka Doncic outplayed Chris Paul and Devin Booker combined. He had more points, rebounds, and assists than both of those guys combined, and he is significantly overachieved with this Dallas Mavericks team. They are a pretty good unit. They play defense well as a team. They have some really solid role players. Jason Kidd's doing an incredible job, but him taking this 64-win Suns team to a Game 7, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And he has significantly overachieved with this roster. For a guy that only has won one playoff series, and in some of those games he wasn't even out there because Jalen Brunson and company were dropping off the Utah Jazz, this dude has a ridiculous playoff resume, especially for his age, second in all-time points per game. The things he can do as both a scorer and a decision-maker slash playmaker for others is just simply incredible and he steps up his game when it matters the most in elimination type situations so i i'm really interested to see what happens in that game seven winner go home you have a lot of chance and it's a lot better if you have the best player in a game seven type scenario and luka Doncic is by far the best player in that series the last thing i really want to touch on here i want to touch on the whole conference finals MVP thing. There's a lot of uproar amongst the NBA community about this conference finals MVP. And NBA fans, y'all don't like anything about the NBA. I think that's what KD said on one of his Twitter rants. Now y'all are complaining about the conference finals MVP after complaining that the regular season MVP is out in the first round and we're not taking the playoffs into account. The playoffs matter clearly more than the regular season. And I've been advocating for some time now about the playoff MVP, but a conference finals MVP is a huge step in the right direction. A conference championship matters. You do get a banner and a trophy for winning your conference. It's a big deal. Y'all talk about some participation trophy, winning your conference and being one of the last two teams standing is simply a participation trophy. That is laughable. It's laughable. I don't get how y'all how y'all have really got that far from from reality of what actually matters the conference championship matters representing the conference in the finals that matters that's not a participation trophy I don't get I feel like I get you guys are talking about the society these days it was way back better in my day like conference championship matters bro it does it does simple as that and I did an exercise uh, on my page where I basically went back and, and saw who would have won the finals Western Conference and Eastern Conference finals MVP trophies. And you're seeing a lot of Steph Curry. I did it. I started in 2010. I went to 2021 and Stephen Curry got five of them, five straight from 2015 to 2019. He was a driving force. He was the best player, particularly in the conference final series for those Golden State Warriors teams. And he has no finals MVP, so we get slandered. But the conference finals matters a lot. And some of those years, particularly in 2018, that was the most competitive series for the Golden State Warriors that year. So it matters, especially when we are talking about the West has been so much better than the East for some years. 
But then the East has been competitive, really competitive in other years. Like, it really matters. The conference championship definitely matters. And LeBron over there, he got eight straight. <laughs> eight straight of them. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, but, but yeah, interesting to think about uh, when, you, when you think about the whole conference championship MVP thing. I just think people don't really like a lot of things about basketball. People just like to complain about stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. It's interesting to see what happens in the offseason. I think the Sixers will definitely keep Doc Rivers around. I, I don't think he did enough to warrant him getting fired. Uh, as far as James Harden, he will be back. He talked post-game, maybe about a team-friendly deal. We'll see about that. Uh, but he will be back. Hopefully he'll be better for the sake of the 76ers. Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, you've been on an absolute tear. You've been an absolute dog. And I've talked about Jimmy Butler uh not sure whether Jimmy Butler would be a reliable enough offensive weapon for them in the postseason as a number one option. And talent-wise and production-wise over the course of the regular season, every single number one option in these playoffs in the East has been better than Jimmy Butler up to the postseason. But now in the postseason, it's Jimmy Butler who is second only to Giannis in points per game in the conference. And he's getting these buckets efficiently too. He's shooting like 36% from three when he was struggling in the low 20s from three in the regular season. He shot up his three-point percentage by 13%. He's averaging 10 more points a game, and he's taking a significant jump in his overall field goal percentage too. So Jimmy Butler is hooping out of his mind. If he continues to hoop like that, he's replicating kind of that 2020 type of run that he had in the bubble. Again, y'all still think the bubble is a fluke, but Jimmy went out there and he's doing it again uh, with fans and everything in a normal environment. So if you can keep that up, it's going to be very, very interesting. I know some people got in his head for the lack of defensive attention and, and saying that these defenses aren't that strong, although you do have Thibault on the wing. The Sixers aren't the strongest on the perimeter defensively. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, you got to give respect and respect is due. Jimmy Butler is putting in work. He's getting buckets. It's going to be a completely different matchup going up against either the Celtics or the Bucks, but there's no shame in losing to either of those two teams, especially the defending champs in Giannis and the Bucks, if they are able to get Chris Middleton back. So I think the Miami Heat have definitely met expectations now going to the conference finals and proven that they were not a fluke being the one seed. So shout out to them. Be interesting what happens in the conference finals for them. But that's pretty much all I got to talk about here. Quick little rant, quick little episode. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.